Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Eat, Eat it, it Up. Up. Okay, not so bad. Was that on time? Um, not like super no, on time, no. but like better. Okay. And I think okay. our Wi-Fi is a bit better. The Wi-Fi does feel better today. Last episode for the listeners, if you if you listen to the editing and like, there's just <laughs> some weird. There's like, I tried to edit it the best I could, but there's some moments where like there was like Maria saying something, and she goes like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and then it was fine. It was like for one second in the middle of the thing, and I, and I couldn't yeah. find another clip to replace it. So I'm like, the whole thing doesn't make sense unless I include this. So yes. No, so I was listening to it back week. over and I was like, you know what? That's just the way it had to be. That's just the yeah. way it was. <laughs> there was some of it that I could kind of splice and it made it sound like like it made sense and you couldn't notice. But some of it, I was like, the Wi-Fi was atrocious. We had to retake like 15 different parts of it. Yeah. And it still was not. Anyways, but this week it's feeling kind of smooth. Yeah. She's a lot cuter this week. Yeah, so we're working why. on it. But then my computer had a meltdown right before we tried recording. So It did. Yeah. So still technical issues. Which Maria was like, God, your Wi-Fi is so bad. I'm like, no, like my computer's loading slowly. Like Maria doesn't always have a grasp on like what's, a, what's computer or what's Wi-Fi. She's like, oh yeah, your Wi-Fi sucks. I'm like, no, it's like the little turn, the rainbow wheel is turning. That's a different whole ball game. But anyways. It still doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but. she's like, okay. Yeah, anyways, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we, won't, we don't have to talk about it. Okay. Um, anyways, this is Eat It Up, the podcast where we try snacks from our neighborhoods and then chat about little bites of history. Mm-hmm. And this week is all about cholera. Oh boy, we are now a medical history podcast. After we last are, week, we're this leaning week, into it. I kind of like that. Um, and so, for anyone who, well, this is specifically for friend of the podcast, Mia. She had suggested this really cool topic, which was the Hinkley groundwater contamination, which is what the movie Aaron Brockovich is based off of. And I was like so excited to research it, et cetera, et cetera. And then when I went to, it just became like nearly impossible to do so because Mm. when you look up, like I wanted to use Aaron Brockovich as like a jumping off point to then look into that like story that she's known for. But I didn't want to tell a story about Aaron Brockovich. Like it wasn't an Aaron Brockovich story. No. But every article that you look up about it, solely focuses on telling the story from her lens or her journalism or what she's doing now. And then when you try to look up just the, like the incident itself, there's very little info that's not then related to her. Mm. So it just became nearly impossible. And there was the one article that I was like, this will save my ass. It has great stuff in it. I had to pay for it. So I couldn't like properly access it. So anyways, the reason we're doing cholera is because I felt like contaminated water. Where do we get from there? cholera <laughs> oh okay i kind of like that i thought yeah. you were gonna the one you were like oh like friend of the pod i thought you were leading up to be like friend of the pod mia requested cholera i'm like okay a friend she of the pod not. mia requests cholera <laughs> that's weird and like, she oh. should seek help because that's a little strange but she wants yeah. cholera but no i just <laughs> felt like mia she wants contaminated groundwater yeah, okay. well, i'm gonna give it to her we're doing okay. cholera <laughs> yeah okay cool cool cool, cool. yeah like and also for any doctors listening, I'm going to get loads of stuff wrong. So just be prepped. We're working Hannah on Lee it. Hannah <laughs> Lee is going to write like a public letter denouncing the, like the myriad scientific faults in what you said across. Absolutely. The and I know like my friend, Erin, her mom, Anne, hello, Anne. She Hi, listens Anne. to this as well. And she's a, very much a doctor. <laughs> oh, she's, she even is a doctor. She's like not even in med school. She's a proper doctor. She's a proper so. doctor. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, that's fine. Hopefully right. this goes well. Um, but my snack for today, I was like, okay, 
you know, like cholera, <laughs> a lot of diarrhea. And I was like, oh, what, Where, how do I experience that in my own life? Gross, gross, gross. <laughs> yeah, keep going and now. <laughs> normally, I associate that with meat. But because I knocked that out, now it's solely dairy. So right. this week, I am drinking a milkshake from Yum. Like Y-U-M and then an exclamation point. Yum, which mm-hmm. is like a candy shop slash like ice cream place down on main street right and it's cool because like they do ice cream but then you can choose any of their ice cream flavors and they'll make it into a milkshake for you right and so my flavor you're gonna hate me it's birthday cake oh god okay yuck but yeah and it's fluorescent blue like it's a bright blue That is its own kind of like water contamination like the (laughs) shit you're putting in your body no let me tell The garbage I'm putting into no, my No, not temple. generally. You eat, you eat very healthy, but like <laughs> oh, I bright blue, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and let me tell you, it's already doing its job. I feel slightly unwell, but it's super delicious. Oh, so it's the payoff. Okay. Pretending well, I that love... I can drink lactose, but knowing that I right. should. So. Well, it's really beautiful. You um, chose your snack based on diarrhea. I, I <laughs> love that's the subtext <laughs> of what we're talking about. For my part... Uh... <laughs> Um, well, this is awkward. I don't have a snack. I know. I know. I was on too much of a roll. And so I kind of had to keep people on their toes. You have, yeah. You don't want to like, you don't want to get people's expectations way too high for you. No, I just, yeah, I, we literally, like, it was 12.25. Maria and I were supposed to record at 12.30. And I was like, oh, shit, I don't have a snack. So that's cool. Anyway, so I'm drinking, like, tap water clean water, so no cholera there oh um, well you never know dun, dun, dun. i guess <laughs> hopefully i don't get cholera after this podcast but you never know <laughs> yeah we'll keep you updated yeah um but yeah that's okay snacks are done are we ready to do background that's, yeah tell me about cholera march are you Let's doing do like it. like how when are we starting here Okay, so my my basis for cholera, the framing that we're going with, is we're talking about it through a 19th century lens, so 1800s, okay. cool. um, because that's sort of like when people start to look at its origins, how it's mm. been caused, etc. And it was like it was happening before this point in specific parts of the world, but the 1800s is really when it became a pandemic, mm. and so um, every continent Don't use that had word. it. Don't use that word triggering it's hard for a lot of people <laughs> it's like this very basically we're only going to focus on that time period we're not going to trace right. cholera through history either okay, we're going to yeah. focus solely on the 19th century specifically in europe right. because that's where um because it was new to them right. they were like they were looking at how it was being caused and where where it was happening in the body etc gotcha it's a very cool story it's almost We'll talk about it, but it's a very cool story because it has main characters in it. Like, it's got a full-blown plot line. We have evil right. characters. Like, it's very cool. So. Oh, my God. Evil characters. Yeah. Okay. Evil priest. It has everything you want in a story. evil priest? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. So, for a bit of background, the endemic home for cholera is eastern India, specifically okay. the delta of the Ganges and Brahmaputra rivers. That's kind of where it comes from. I didn't know that. Um, And it's a very rural disease, so it's directly connected to poor sanitation. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it's also connected to poverty. And it's a classic social disease in that it will affect people who are, who are, have a less lower income. Right. 
1817, cholera goes global. Right. Um, and it was primarily a 19th century pandemic, although that doesn't mean that like outbreaks and epidemics, they don't have, they happen later in time. Right. Of course. But the early onslaught of the pandemic was limited to Asia. Oh, you have a question. Can I ask a question? Sorry. Yeah. Just to back up, I really, it just came to me late. <laughs> so when you say it's like, it's a disease, it's common, like in rural areas and lower social classes, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. cause it's like, it's a waterborne illness. Like mm-hmm. you have less, less access to like clean drinking water. Yes. And probably at this time you don't have like the same um, sewer and sanitation systems that we have now. Correct. But um, where does it come from? Like, does it come from like, animal feces that then gets into water or does it come from like i'm assuming like when humans get it and then they get diarrhea mm-hmm. not to spoil what cholera does but when they get <laughs> diarrhea they shed it if it gets back into the water then other people yes. attract it but um can you explain that to me a bit so it mainly seems to come from uh basically especially like i looked into it more so in europe but they would the way that they were filtering through or like disposing of their sewage mm-hmm. it would get into groundwater. Okay. And so because of that, the cholera, like the bacterium can live in feces for one to 10 days after right. it's expelled. Right. And so that means that like when it would get into the groundwater, because they weren't disposing of it properly, people would then drink it. So mm. it primarily was coming from like people having it and then it being like ingested. As, and it's not something that you contract from like just being beside someone, you know, no, that would yeah. be more air that's airborne whereas this is much more you have to ingest it right okay and so it does seem to come from like people getting into water and then ingesting it yeah and the early onset it was the pandemic was limited to asia but of course you know in the 1800s we have colonization you have improved communication and it traveled through water and by the 1830s it reached europe okay and also something big like i hadn't considered it but I was reading that because you also have like more religious pilgrimages like to Mecca mm-hmm. and with certain religions coming to like at certain times of the year coming together, right. it also helped that spread as well. Interesting. Yeah. So for symptoms, cholera is an intestinal disease. It's characterized by severe watery diarrhea mm-hmm. or rice water stool, which is what I'm going to get with my milkshake. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next, move on. Next. Um, and also, whoa, and also vomiting. Um, okay. And it turns your skin cold and clammy. Okay. And you get a bit of a blue appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll talk about it later, but this leads to a lot of artwork in England being very much about this like appearance that you get when you mm-hmm. have cholera. Interesting. And with these symptoms, it leads to dehydration and shock. Yeah. And it can cause death within hours after these first symptoms. Jesus, okay. And it takes between 12 hours to five days for a person to show symptoms after consuming the contaminated food or water. Because, of yeah. course, like with fruits and veggies, if you're growing them in an area that's using this contaminated water, if you ingest those fruits and veggies without cooking them off first, uh, okay. that also means you get it. Okay, I see. And so, and among the people who develop the symptoms, the majority have mild or moderate symptoms. Mm-hmm. with about one in 10 people developing those more severe ones. Right. Back in the 19th century, though, cholera had a 50% fatality rate. Okay, um, although now, though, with like early and proper treatment, it's less than 1%. So it's not right. nearly as bad now, but back then it was right. serious, of course. So it arrives. So cholera arrives in Europe 
like in England in 1830s, yes. the 1830s. Okay. Yeah. And it's, and it was originally endemic to Eastern India, you said. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Um, and it is like the, we'll talk about it later, but that also really changes the way that people freak out about it. Okay. Because in places that diseases are endemic to, you rarely see the same level of fear and violence that is happens when it's new to a, a different. Right. Way. Right. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So details. Yeah. Um, so the way, the reason that I'm talking about cholera in this very like England centric viewpoint mm-hmm. is because like when I took that course in university on the history of pandemics, this is right. how like we approached it. Right. And it's just because at that period in England, because it was so new to them, a lot of the research was being done that we now base our understanding of cholera off of. Right. And like future studies on diseases. So that's right. why. Okay, so the first cases of cholera in England, they were reported in 1831. Right. And between 1831 to 1854, which is like a pivotal year, as we'll see, tens of thousands of people in England died of cholera. Right. So it was really sweeping across the little island. Okay, yeah, they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so basically at this time, people believed that cholera was caused by breathing vapors or like mm. miasma. The miasma theory of disease. (laughs) We love miasma. Fun fact, a lot of older buildings like from this period um, have like, you have radiators under windows and then you have like shutters that you can open fully. And so that's like, like the apartment that I lived in in Ottawa had like radiators under the windows. And even in the winter, you, it gets so hot that you're able to open the window windows. Right. And the reason was apparently is because of this, this miasma theory of disease, the idea that like, if you have air circulating all the time, yeah. um, you're less likely to contract illnesses, which is true actually in, in the case of COVID, yeah. right? Because it is airborne. Yeah. Um, not true with cholera because it's, it's waterborne. Um, exactly. So it doesn't, um, I guess, help. But uh, anyway, That's exactly sorry. right. No, 100%. Because what happened was that like physicians and doctors, they viewed it as like another wave of the plague. Right. And so they responded to it in that way, which the plague really was like a very serious flu. And so that right. would be in the air. Right. As opposed to cholera, which is very much ingested. And so the solutions they provided for cholera were oh, completely okay. incorrect. Like they didn't okay. help. Yeah. And so because it was so completely wrong, it meant that doctors and scientists, they couldn't find a way to prevent people from getting sick because they didn't understand how they were getting sick in the first place. Right. And so their treatments would do more harm than good. Mm. So we now introduce our main character, Dr. John Snow. <laughs> Can I just say something? Yeah. Yesterday, I'm talking to Ellie, my sister, Jackson, my boyfriend, Mia, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Playing tennis outside. <laughs> Obeying public health guidelines. Don't worry, everyone. We're in Alberta. It's the Wild West here. You can basically do whatever you want outside. Right. It's not really oh, true. But anyways, yeah. we were obeying the rules, but we were talking about the pod. Everyone's like, what, what are you doing tomorrow? And said, we're doing cholera. And they're like, oh, Ellie's like, oh, what was the guy? Like, not to spoil your whole thing, but who was yeah. the guy who kind of was like, you know, the main um, or the most successful person, you know, fighting it in England, whatever. Yeah. And I go, oh, I think it's like, it's either Edward Snow or like, no, not John Snow. And they're like, John Snow, John Snow, that's Game of Thrones. You're confused. Okay. Well, you if you're right. listening, it's fucking John Snow. And this is who they base the Game of Thrones character. That's where he got the name. I'm joking. Uh, I'm being so sarcastic. Oh my God. I was like, okay, <laughs> that is, that's another level. Like, oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. They just but it is, up okay, the same so, name. Sorry. So I have nothing to contribute other than to say... <laughs> Their name is right. John Snow. Yeah, Thank and they you. can suck it. 
So uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Cheers. Okay, back to you. Sorry. Thank you. So Dr. John Snow. He had long believed that water contaminated by sewage was the cause of cholera. So he was using germ theory. Mm -hmm. Um, And his vibes were on this, were that like, if it was caused by bad air or miasma, then cholera should cause pulmonary symptoms, like in the lungs. It should cause something there. Ah, interesting. But that's not what cholera does. The symptoms of cholera were gastrointestinal. Right. And so he was like, maybe it's coming from something that people are eating. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and so in 1849, he published an article called Modes of Communication of Cholera, outlining his theory. But doctors and scientists were like, this guy's a quack. He's dead yeah. wrong. Okay. He's in with <laughs> but, the beauty doctors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he, yeah. he, last week, he's in with He's them. putting paraffin in people's noses. <laughs> um, but in the mid-1800s, people depended on town wells and communal pumps to get the water they used for drinking, cooking, and washing, because of mm-hmm. course there wasn't like the same systems that we have now. Right. And so most homes and businesses dumped untreated sewage and animal waste directly into the Thames River or nearby cesspools. That's awesome. And so that would just collect all there. Kind of gather. And so Dr. Snow believed that this sewage being dumped into the to the river or these cesspools near town wells could contaminate the water supply, leading yeah. to a rapid spread of disease. Yeah. Um, so in August 1854, Soho, a suburb of London, right. was hit hard by an outbreak of cholera. And this was really close to Jon Snow's home. Okay. So he was like, okay, like I'm going to begin documenting the cases of cholera, figure out a pattern, like where this is coming from. Right. And so he started mapping out all the cholera deaths, as well as like he had a map with all like the 13 public wells in the area. Right. And he was able to pinpoint one particular water pump the Broad Street pump around which all the deaths seemed to cluster. Like everyone who was dying of cholera was somehow around this area. Right, right, right. And so upon further examination of the water in the Broad Street well, using a microscope, Snow observed white particles floating in it. Mm. So gross. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And these weren't found in the water of other wells that were farther from the cholera outbreak. So it was unique to this one pump. Right. And within 750 feet of the Broad Street pump, there were about 600 deaths because of cholera in 10 days. Mm. So as soon as it was happening, everyone was getting sick. Right. And the only seemingly immune location near the pump was a brewery that was one block away. Right. And none of the workers or patrons were getting sick and they could drink as much beer as they wanted without getting cholera. Mm -hmm. And this was because (laughs) the fermentation of the beer killed the bacteria. And so anyone who was drinking from, who was essentially getting drunk during the day, they were, they were safe. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to them. And there was also a really interesting case where like a niece and her aunt died of cholera, Mm -hmm. but they didn't live like anywhere near the pump. Like there was no reason why they should have gotten it. Right. But as it turned out, the aunt really thought the water from the Broad Street pump tasted the best out of all the water oh, in the land. No. <laughs> and so she would have a bottle of it brought to her like frequently, like regularly. Right. And so because of that, like her niece came over to visit, she poured them each a cup of water. They both oh. got cholera, died the next day. Wow. Okay. So in September, 1854, Snow took his research to the town officials and convinced them to take the handle off the pump. He was like, people cannot be drinking this water. And so it prevented them from doing so. But these public health officials, they were like, so not thrilled to do it. Right. Um, 
but they were like, okay, we'll go along with it for a bit to see, like, see if it works as a trial. Mm-hmm. And cholera outbreaks stopped almost immediately. Right. So they knew it was coming from there. Yeah. But despite Snow's theory being successful, public officials still thought he was a quack. And so they refused to do anything to clean up the cesspools and sewers. And they put the pump back on the well. They're like, yeah, it worked, but we're putting it back. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, no. That's not how it should work. (laughs) And so the Board of Health issued a report saying that they saw no reason to adopt the belief that cholera was caused by contaminated water and said that Snow's evidence that it was being caused by this pump, they were just mere suggestions. They weren't facts. Okay. And so for months afterward, Snow continued to track every case of cholera from the 1854 Soho outbreak and traced almost all of them back to the pump. Right. But he, what, the problem he was having was he couldn't figure out if the contamination of sewage into the drinking water was coming from like open sewers drains mm. underneath houses and businesses, public pipes, cesspools. Like he couldn't pinpoint where, where this was coming, coming from. from. Yeah. And so now we have our evil character step onto the scene. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually helps solve this mystery, okay. but not, not on purpose. Okay. Um, you're like, he's still evil. He's still evil. So good old Reverend Henry Whitehead. Okay. So basically Whitehead got involved in all this because he wanted to prove Snow wrong. Okay. And so he believed that the outbreak wasn't actually caused by contaminated water, but naturally was because of God's divine intervention. It was his wrath because we're all so evil and full of sin. You know the story. And so in his efforts and research to prove Snow wrong, Mm -hmm. Reverend Whitehead interviewed a woman who lived at 40 Broad Street, whose child had contracted cholera from like some other source. Right. And the child's mother washed the baby's diapers in water, which she then dumped into a leaky cesspool just three feet from the Broad Street pump. Mm. And so now Snow, when like Whitehead like published these papers and was like, blah, blah, it's God's intervention. Yeah. He read it and he was like, oh, this is actually how it got contaminated. This is where it's coming from. It's this leaky cesspool that like a kid who had cholera, their feces were right. dumped into it. Oh, wow. Okay. And so now he had the solution to how it was being contaminated. Right. Um, it took many years, naturally, before public officials closed the cesspool and repaired the sewers and drains. Right. In spite of the fact that there was, like, a massive abundance of evidence showing how people were getting sick and dying. Yeah. But eventually, it did shift a bit. Right. So that's, that's, our, that's our Jon Snow story. Now we're moving away okay. from him. And when would when was that like that they started, like, when did they close the cesspool or fix the pipes? Do you know? I don't know exactly when, like, the dates of it, right. but it wasn't until the late 1880s mm. that scientists started to accept the theory that it wasn't miasma. Oh, so this okay. was over 30 years later, right. so it took them quite a while to just be like, oh, like maybe he's right. Okay. And John Snow, unfortunately, he died in 1858. So he didn't get to like see that full turnaround. Yeah, that's always a story, isn't it? Right? He like does all this work. He's like, this is how we're all getting it. Everyone's like, you moron. (laughs) They die sad. He's actually correct. Vindicated later. Wow. Something interesting to note though is like with the cholera outbreak in Europe, um, specifically Mm -hmm. like there was the pandemic we were just talking about was the first pandemic in Europe of cholera. Right. Right. A second wave comes around between 1881 to 1896. Yeah. 
And this one is filled with like loads of violence. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. And it's specifically aimed against doctors, pharmacists, nurses, and the rich. Mm, okay. And with regards to healthcare workers, it was happening because there was this feeling because people didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. that these workers were never falling sick despite being in contact with people who had severe cholera. Mm-hmm. And so the logical reasoning was that doctors, pharmacists, and nurses were poisoning the poor. Right. Because it was like, you're constantly in contact. It's coming through the air. How are you never getting sick? Right. And so doctors and pharmacists, they were forced to swallow medicine. There were riots against sanitary regulations because it was thought the authorities were coming to poison them. Right. And in 1885 in Madrid, health authorities were pelted with stones and stopped from doing their work, which was like a really horrible reaction and self-defeating since these were the people mm-hmm. coming to clean the water and change the sanitation right. and they were being beat. So it was like, well, then they can't do their job. Then you're going to get sick. Right. And I do like, I do kind of understand it in the sense that like, because Europe had never experienced it before, they didn't understand how it was being spread yeah it is like very confusing when it's like everyone in like one particular neighborhood gets sick Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they're like a low-income neighborhood whereas the neighborhood right beside no one gets sick yeah yeah and if so if you don't understand how it's spread it can very much look like something like the authorities are out to get us right yeah i get that so i i understand it they were wrong but i understand yeah right and interesting enough like you don't get these same violent reactions in parts of the world where cholera was endemic. So right. you had violent reactions in Africa and Europe where they'd mm-hmm. never experienced it before. Right. But in India, there's like zero scapegoating. Right. India didn't have like that same fear to cholera. They had seen it. They experienced it already. And while they weren't like, they didn't love it, of course, they weren't yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. afraid of it. They mm-hmm. just didn't know how the disease was caused yet. Right. Interesting. So, yeah. And then in 1883, you have German physician Robert Koch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Koch's postulates. Hello. So he took the search for the cause of cholera a step further because he isolated the waterborne bacterium Vibrio Vibrio cholerae. Did Mm -hmm. I get that right? I think so. Thanks. I don't know. You're like, who knows? Yeah. Um, And it was like the poison that Snow had argued caused cholera, but Snow Mm -hmm. hadn't been able to specifically identify yeah. To be fair, though, Italian microbiologist Filippo Pacini, he mm. has posthumously been recognized for the bacteria's discovery because he found it back in 1854. Right. But Kosh is still kind of like widely attributed, like he won like a Nobel Peace or a Nobel, not a Peace Prize. <laughs> no, just the prize. Just, just the prize. No yeah. peace. It's still um, a big prize. Still a big deal, I guess. It's just not the peace one. It's not the peace one, but he yeah. won the Nobel Prize. Yeah. And then Pacini, it was, it was thought like Kosh wouldn't have any clue that Pacini had found it because no one was supporting yeah. that research that it was in the water, et cetera. Right. And so when Kosh found it, he wouldn't have known that someone else had already written a paper about it. Right, right. But Kosh determined that cholera was not contagious from person to person. Mm-hmm. It spread through unsanitary water or food supply sources which is of course like a major victory for Snow's theory. Right. With regards to like how Puccini got it though, back in 1854 when cholera came to Florence during the first European pandemic, mm-hmm. he was performing autopsies on patients who died from cholera. Yeah. And so he found in the intestines the common shaped bacteria that Koch then later also found right. when he was in Egypt doing work. Right. So although it of course took some time 
with the findings of John Snow, Filippo Pacini, and Robert Koch, scientific yeah. opinions slowly shifted away from the miasma theory of cholera to the yeah. germ theory. And then now proper che- treatments could be developed and prescribed. Very cool. And I that is of- cholera. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Nice work, Margie. Thank you. I actually know of um, Koch. I call him Coke, but I, oh, do you? I don't know. I don't know. I only call because there was a girl on my swim team whose last name was spelled like this and she pronounced oh, it Kosh. So I okay. went with that, but I don't know. So we should just call them however we want. Um, I was like, Kosh, I know it's probably Kosh, not Cock, but like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, probably not Cock, maybe Coke. <laughs> um, he has yeah. a, a series of postulates, Cox postulates, that everyone in, my, in a microbiology class. If you've ever taken a microbiology class, you always learn Cox postulates. And it's like, oh, it's like a series of um, kind of tests that you have to, like, that have to be met for you to understand that a certain disease is caused by a certain microbial agent. So it's like, it has to be like identified in the organism. If that same, if like effluent from that organism is then given to another organism, it causes the same disease and that same um, bacteria or particle has to then be able to be isolated from that reinfected organism. And if all those conditions are met, then you know that's the agent causing the, the disease or something. I think it's something like that. I don't know the exact details. Don't kill me. Um, all the like, I haven't memorized it word for word, but I do know it very well. <laughs> but no, I actually don't. But anyways, that's like, he's a, he's a big name. Cock okay. Gosh. If you've taken, anyone who's listening has taken a microbiology class, they're nodding their head. Yeah. They're like, yes. Or they're angry that I got the postulates wrong. But yeah, anyways. that you haven't devoted yourself to it. <laughs> I know. I'm such a shitty person. <laughs> you pig boy. Anyway. Yeah, um... Thanks. <laughs> um, well, thanks, Margie. That was interesting. Um, okay. Can I tell you about my milkshake? Yeah. Yeah. Seeing as I don't have anything. Tell me about your milkshake from yum. So it's, I have to say like, it's not the best milkshake I've ever had. Oh, those probably come from white spot. They're very yummy. Okay. Um, (laughs) You like know exactly where the best milkshake in the world is. Anyone who's from BC know that knows that like white spots milkshakes slap really hard, but it is like very good. Um, it has like sprinkles throughout it, which I do love. Yeah. And my dad has got like his mango one. Like he picked the mango flavor. Right. And he drank it immediately. And so it's okay. really cool because they top it off like this dollop of whipped cream and then like a little sandwich cookie to eat it with. It's very right. aesthetically pleasing. Okay. So it's pretty yummy thus far. Very Good. creamy. So what's the significance, Marge? I literally can't think of there's nothing relevant to those that story. There is nothing. That's the end of today. Um yeah. Okay, I don't know what this word means. You're going to hear it in a sec. And I couldn't be bothered to look it up, but I was like, Sam will know it. Okay, I don't know. So Dr. John Snow is considered to be the father of epidemiology. Mm -hmm. What is epidemiology? Oh, God. I actually (laughs) once took, I tried, I enrolled in a class at Queens in epidemiology, and it was, I hope they're not listening. It was so fucking disorganized. It was in like third year. I was in it with Hannah Lee, friend of the pod, who's probably listening. Hopefully listening. Um, (laughs) We were in it for like, I was in it with her for like two weeks and I could not deal. Like we were in this massive, like 
like those new hybrid rooms they have in some of the buildings. Oh yeah, yeah. And like they like this, it was this older prof, and he had this one TA who was in the room, and he'd make the TA run around the room with the microphone to like students to answer questions no. and stuff. And he'd be like, Robert, go! And like Robert would run. He'd be like, Go, Robert! Like, what are you doing? Like, and it just I got so stressed out. I, I dropped the class. I just couldn't do it. Like, no, no, um, no. But from what I from what I think <laughs> I know, or just colloquially epidemiology, okay. it might not be the exact definition, but it's just like the study of um disease at a population mm-hmm. level so like yes you're I looking at like the prevalence of disease so where is the disease um currently found where's the mm-hmm. incidence so where's the rate of it uh, growing or where are people contracting the disease right um like things like that like it, it's that looking at sense. like health outcomes kind of at a population right. level and using statistics to, to help um determine those things and find association okay. between certain like um say risk factors or certain protective factors that might make someone um less likely or, or more likely to contract a certain disease whether it's infectious or it's um something like a, a chronic disease like right. hypertension or something like that i think that makes sense because it's like much of current epidemiological research is based on snow's work to like track the work and co- or track the source and causes of various diseases so that right. what you said has made sense <laughs> right okay I, I hope so yeah um cholera it also opened up discussion on sanitation and like government's role in public hygiene right so like how responsible should our government be in providing us with safe drinking water Right. also ensuring that like sewage is treated properly before it's disposed of. Right, right. By the second pandemic in Europe, that one that was like between 81 to 1896, yeah. there was like a reevaluation of sanitation at that point because yeah. like kind of by the end of it, they were like, oh, it is coming from drinking water. Yeah, it's like, we need to deal with this. We need to deal. There's also what I think is really cool. And in like the course that I took in university, yeah, she, the professor was super into like other mediums to understand history through. And so we looked at a lot of artwork Mm -hmm. and a ton of cool artwork comes out of cholera. Specifically, we looked at like images from the UK, but there's some American ones too. And so there's like an image of like death. So it's like a skeleton with a cloak Mm -hmm. on and he's rowing through the Thames river and there's like monsters in the river floating with him. And that represents cholera, but like none of us understood what it, where it was coming from. Right. Right. Or, like, there's an image of, like, a person who's, like, incredibly poor, who's, Mm -hmm. like, very sick and, like, sweating lots because you get cold and clammy. Right. And they're beside a bottle of blue pills, which were apparently mercury pills. Mm. It was thought that that would help solve. No, no, don't take that. That will not. (laughs) Yeah, no. Or the one that I find is really haunting, like, there's, um, it's, like, like, almost, like, the same image of a woman, like, a beautiful woman, but one is, like, she looks healthy. Yeah. And then the next is like she's haggard, she's gone blue, and like her like her whole face is like drooping. Right. Yeah. And so it was honestly some haunting images came out of cholera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they the Victorians had some very like freaky like artistic oh, yeah. representations of disease, like even like tuberculosis, like the classic image yes. of like the woman. Well, they actually like glamorized TB, like the woman they like did. wasting yeah. away, like thin, thin, yes. thin, but looking like beautiful <laughs> and 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 pale and whatever. Yes. They they were they were twisted chicks, those Victorians, I tell you. <laughs> they really, they Don't really even were. get me started on how they mourned. That's a whole <laughs> nother story. But And yeah, just like some of the they are haunting images. Like it's even like there's one where it's in like a poor area of like London mm-hmm. and people are all sick and dying. And there's this child, like this baby that's alone on the street, like, yeah. and it doesn't have a mother. T- it's like, that's a, it's a very haunting image. Haunting to image see. Totally. Yeah. Wow. Um, so they leaned into it. The artwork really came out of cholera. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But more in current times, cholera, of course, like it's still an ongoing concern in some parts of the world. Right. And it's specifically like those areas where people don't have safe drinking water or sewage treatment. Right. And so, for instance, in 2017, there were outbreaks of cholera in Somalia and Yemen. And by August 2017, mm. the Yemen outbreak impacted 500,000 people and killed 2,000. Um, and the World Health Organization estimates that like there are roughly 1.3 to 4 million cases of cholera each year. Wow. With somewhere between 21,000 to 143,000 people dying each year. Yeah. And the reason that like, the numbers are so different is because the reporting in some these places is not very accurate because countries don't that are experiencing right. it don't want to drive away tourism. Yeah. So they may not always give the full number right. of what's happening. Right. Or they don't, um, don't have maybe infrastructure. Like if yes. you're in the Yemeni civil war, I'm sure that's not maybe the priority. Hundred yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And so the long-term solution for cholera control really lies in like economic development and universal access to safe drinking water and adequate sanitation. Right. Um, but of course, epidemics of cholera, they also occur in like natural disaster situations. Right. So, and like particularly, particularly like in areas where sanitation systems break down. Right. Um, and so like, as you were saying, like in Yemen, but mm -hmm. also like after the 2010 earthquake in Haiti, right. over 200,000 people were killed and over 1 million were left displaced. Right. And then 10 months later, this was followed by like a massive cholera outbreak. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and there were like 650,000 cases, 8,000 deaths. Jeez. And it was recognized by both the World Health Organization and the United Nations that this epidemic resulted from cholera entering into poor hygienic camps by UN troops that were like mm. sent in to maintain order. So that's right. what got there. Wow. But so, yeah, we still see it today. It's thankfully the fatality rate is much lower and people know how to treat it, especially if you can identify the symptoms early on. Right. But it's still, it's still happening. Jeez. Yeah. Well, and I also, the other thing that made me think of it was um, like as a significance, now I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you <laughs> in my opinion. Come on in. <laughs> um, but like, even like the, some of the stuff you were saying about like attacking healthcare workers and like, um, reminds me very strongly of COVID and like people yes. thinking it's like a doctor led conspiracy or a dictatorship. Course, yeah. Even in Canada, we get that. Um, yeah. and even we, we know the root of transmission for COVID, oh, right? Yeah. It's droplet and it's airborne, but, um, people are still like, oh no, it's like, like I saw there was a protest this week in Winnipeg, I think. And yeah. someone, it was on the, the cover of the, the news yesterday and uh, like on the, the paper yesterday and it was like, COVID vaccines kill or something. It's kill, like, kill mm, the bacteria, God. baby. <laughs> yeah, and people being like, it edits your DNA. It's like, do no. you even fucking know? Like, can you tell me what DNA is? Like, act, like <laughs> what? Like, what? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't care if people yeah. don't know what DNA is, but like, if you're going to say it, the, the vaccine kills you, maybe like have yeah. some evidence for it. But oh God. Um, no, I just think of like attacks on healthcare workers mm -hmm. and like, yeah, I don't think we've necessarily seen physical attacks to the same extent, but definitely like verbal ones or even like that crazy. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that mayoral candidate in, in Calgary, Kevin Johnson? You probably haven't heard about this because it's only really no. Calgary news. But um, this mayoral candidate, Kevin Johnson, who has previously received several uh, criminal charges for hate crimes um, oh, in like Saskatchewan and, and Alberta and I think BC. Total mm -hmm. fucking nut. And he, <laughs> in the past two months was going after um, Alberta Health Services, AHS, employees, like trying to 
get their information, like their address, their name, like stuff like that, and then dox them. So release it on the internet to try and encourage people to like basically attack them. And because he was a mayoral candidate, he would have access to the voter registration of like and like the the basic information of like name and address of every person in the city. And so there was huge concern that he would use his mayoral candidacy to then get this private information of AHS employees um, and healthcare workers and then try and dox them. And so anyways, and then he got, he's been arrested twice now because he was harassing retail workers who were asking him to like put a mask on. Anyways, it's a whole (sighs) thing. But all that to say is I'm like, I think of Kevin Johnson a little bit when you were talking about like people going after the doctors and whatever and and the healthcare workers. And obviously maybe different circumstances too, because it was very much like a class thing. Um, yes. With and it was like a real sense that like the rich people were escaping cholera pandemic and yes. epidemic and the the poor weren't. But with this, it was like he's just a fucking nut. Yeah, just idiocy. So. Anyways, I don't know why I had to tell you that, but I just felt like no. But I think that's true. It's like it's not unique to cholera, of course. Anytime that you have this disease that's killing people and people don't understand it, yeah. or they're unwilling to understand it, mm. um, you're going to have widespread fear and like violence to a certain degree and violence doesn't yeah. always mean against people like, like yeah. true physical violence, but it's like when people don't understand things, they, they really lose their minds. Sure do. Especially when their freedoms are hinged upon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally don't make me wear a mask. Oh gosh. Well, yeah. anyways, um, hmm. would you go back to your milkshake place? What do you rate it? I would put it as like a maybe. Okay, I don't yeah. think, I think it's very cute in there, um, et cetera, but <laughs> et cetera. It's cute, et cetera. <laughs> and they have like, they have candies and stuff, but they don't have candies that I wouldn't be able to get anywhere else. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> the, all, everything I was picking, I was like, Sam is going to hate this. Like I got like cotton candy strips, oh, like, God, like they're ew. like gummies, but they taste like cotton <laughs> candy. <laughs> yeah, we have opposite palates, I swear. And I was eating it and my dad was like, this is a horrific mixture like, of flavors. He was so like, you strange. have to stop. Yeah. Um, and That's so, funny. but in the key got like taffy and then we got yeah. my mom like licorice. Oh, I hate licorice. Oh, I love licorice. See, there you go. Black licorice. Do you like black licorice? Yeah, I love black licorice. You have to be like one of like a hundred thousand people who likes my black licorice. My mom also likes black licorice. <laughs> Check your stats, babe. <laughs> We're like living in the same house. What are the yeah. odds? Okay. Well, Whatever. Um, but yeah, it was yummy. It's like, it's in a part of town that I'll probably go back to. So I may like swing by when I'm there. So it's closer. Okay. It's not closer. (laughs) Sorry. It's just easier to go. It's still Vancouver. Um, okay. It is just like, there's a cake shop I really like nearby. Oh, okay. So I might go there there and then while I'm there, stop at yum. Right. Okay. So yeah. Gotcha. It's a maybe. Nice. Yeah. That's good to hear. Thanks. Do you know, uh, what we're talking about next week? I don't. Why do I ask this question? Why do I? Why I don't. Do I, ask I don't. It? I don't know. I, I kind of got struck by inspiration. Yeah. I find it everywhere in my life. <laughs> I yeah. see the beauty everywhere. I yeah. see the art everywhere. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably just. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything you want me to do, or? Uh, not really. I'm currently just thinking about the house in Pride and Prejudice, and I really want us to go to England. Like that's what's on my mind right now. Okay. Um, yeah. So if you want to do something like about that particular house like that's fine <laughs> yeah I probably won't okay, I was well, laughing Maria t- Maria texted me like I really want to go to England with you like and whatever and see Mr. Darcy's house blah 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 but I'm like is this inspired by you researching cholera in England like you're like oh we have to go yeah no it came up on my TikTok 
oh, these okay. girls had gone to the house. And I was like, oh, I need to do that. Yeah. Because what's really cool, like in England, I always forget they have these massive mansions and you like mm. see them and you just assume that there's somebody's house, but they're always open to the public. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to go. So I didn't know that. Well, well, I used to say go, this off to of one to... experience. Okay, yeah, after one, off one TikTok. Well, yeah. if we go, we also have to see the Broad Street pump. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's still there. Oh, good. Yeah, you can see the pump. Yeah, we'll and have to And you can drink there. the water. Drink the water, girly. Get your yeah. cholera. So yeah. I would definitely love to. Yeah, we're planning a whole UK trip. If anyone would like to give us suggestions, please message. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll okay. talk to you all next week. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>